Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Season 3 of BoJack Horseman. Damask Leary, how are you doing, my good friend? I'm very well, Broderick Gordis. How are you? I'm good, I'm good thank you. I'm back from holiday, refreshed and ready to go. Well, and nice... Nice listeners time at, in Vietnam. at home can't see, but you look beautiful. Oh, thank Gorgeously you. Gorgeously tanned. Oh, yeah, All your right. hair's grown back. You've got a huge mane. You're looking <laughs> fresh. Gorgeous. Uh, I don't tan. I burn. <laughs> I got a burnt nose and I got a burnt knee, weirdly enough, at one stage. There was very there was no tanning knee. going. You Yeah, I just must have missed a spot. and it must Showing have, or, your knee off at the pool, you slut. Love yeah, it. Yeah, it was just sitting in a, like, just must have caught the sun mm. in some way. And yeah, that was it. Um, but no, it was good. good. It was good to get away. Good to spend some time in Vietnam, relax, enjoy a l- very hot uh, period over there at the moment. Started their rainy season, but we didn't get much rain at all. Got to play a lot of games. I didn't watch anything. Like, you know, on flights and stuff, you watch stuff. Mm. I had an iPad full of things. I didn't watch any of it. Instead, played a shit ton of my Nintendo Switch. The Nintendo Switch so, is the best thing ever invented. Let, let, let me get this right. Um, you're on a gorgeous holiday with your beautiful oh, no, no, girlfriend no. and you spent your time on your Switch. <laughs> no, no. On the flights oh, and okay. then Good. in airports waiting. And yeah. then sometimes, you know, when someone's having a nap and you've got nothing to do, you're not tired, you just, you know, get jump on the Switch mainly. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It was good. Reading yeah, when, the after you've exhausted her, uh, you're onto the Switch. Love it. Uh, seriously that's, that's, though, it is the best goddamn thing ever. It's so good. <laughs> I played like three. Uh, I finished Hollow Knight pretty much. That game goes forever. Still working on it a little bit. Finished Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Finished Mario Tennis Aces. It was great. It was so good. I don't yeah, get time to game like a anymore. Really awesome holiday, bro. <laughs> I don't get time to game. It was so nice just to be able to like, oh yeah, I can do some gaming and do it guilt free. It was good. Mm, what did you do while I was away? Anything exciting happen? Just. Stared at a wall and thought about how much I missed you, mostly. Aww. <laughs> you know, you silent tears. That's about it. Did you go to MIF at all, the Melbourne International Film Festival? Um, I saw Drive at the Regent, but that was it. Saw Drive at the Regent? Yeah, with like a um, with a band that played all the music. Which oh, was that's cool. kind of incredible, yeah. Yeah, really awesome. I'd never really seen awesome. it before. That's, I and actually was, haven't seen Drive either. Add it well, to the list. Well, if you're going to see it, this is how to do it because it what? was very... It was incredible. Like this, the soundtrack is very like synthy and stuff. Um, so having that play in this huge theater for those at home uh, in Melbourne, like two thousand seat theater. It's very old, very like it was built as a movie theater for like the nineteen thirties, like epic films. Um, 
it's now like a live theatre, but having like drive play on this huge screen there with this band at the front. I had great seats. It was amazing. The audio was like it's that, that's one of the good things about it. It's a theatre that's built for decent acoustics as well. <laughs> that's a lie. That's not oh, true. Oh, really? Oh. No, no, no. Uh, musical theatre should never be put on at the region. It's oh, awful. Right. It's not made for um, that level of sound that mm. a lot of modern musicals have. Um, but I think I was at the front of where the screen was, so I didn't have the sound bouncing off any of the the angles within the space. So it was fine for me. I'm not sure what it would have been in dress, like in dress circle, but it was it was good for that. Um, but a very loud musical theatre show shouldn't be in there. But um, maybe for this film, I think it was probably the right level of music, I think. Because I've seen a few films done with like uh, accompanying orchestras before. I've seen Back mm. to the Future 1. Um, that was really good. I saw Jurassic Park and that was good. But I've also seen like Harry Potter, I think the Philosopher's Stone. And the problem was the space was so large it, that it may as well have just been the actual soundtrack because it was mm, it right. was not built to actually carry the sound from the orchestra at all. It was like, oh, this, the effect of it is completely diminished. Yeah, well, We're- this was like a six, maybe to ten person band. Oh, completely um, different again. It was again. very okay. small and it was, yeah, it was very cool, very, very cool. Well, we're already way off topic, so let's just get straight into Off Topic Hot Topic. Off Topic Hot Topic. Uh, that's whatever you were talking about for you. Off Topic Hot Topic is our news and views segment where we get to talk about the headlines of the TV world and discuss the stuff that we've been watching that isn't this week's season of television. If you'd like to contribute a topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or by tweeting us at huntingscast. Brian Fuller Watch, nothing to talk about there. It's been ages since we did a podcast and Brian Fuller is doing jack all apparently. Is he still with us? I'm not even sure. <laughs> He's working on some secret, several secret projects somewhere that he'll never finish up on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some headlines though. A few things that, one that's a bit old but I really want to discuss with you and one that's a bit more recent. Um, number one. The CW are developing a Batwoman TV series set around Cat Kane's Caped Crusader. Now, I'm not a big... Um, I don't know a lot about Batwoman, if that makes sense. I haven't read many Kate of the comics. Kane? Is it Cat Kane? I believe so. Is that right? Kate or are you saying Cat? Oh, it might be. Do I say Cat? Maybe it is Kate. I don't know. Are you a fan of Batwoman, Damask? Um, I have Batwoman comics. I liked... Um that's a start. Yeah, because I actually had never heard of Batwoman. And I think it was Rachel Maddow. She wrote the like the preface for it. Oh, wow. Um, and so I think I just like read news about that. Because the story starts off with like our intro to Batwoman is that she um, suffered under the like the don't ask, don't tell uh, situation over in America. And so oh. she was obviously a queer woman who was kicked out of the military. Um, that right. was a bit of her backstory. And so Rachel Maddow wrote like a little preface um, for the comic for that. So I bought it and then I bought um, two others after that. So, yeah, no, I like the character. I think she's fucking cool and a badass. Um, yeah, so I was excited about the the general prospect of a Batwoman show. What's the tone of her superhero slash comic books? Is it pretty serious, grim, dark, or is there levity to it? I've never read any of them. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty um, grim. It's. Uh, it's. I mean, there's. There is like a. I don't know. It's hard because I'm not a, a usual like comic reader. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I would say it's pretty serious. It's pretty serious business. Okay. So the other thing I want to ask you about is that the lead role 
has been cast. Kane is set to be played by Ruby Rose. Um, now, we've talked about Ruby yeah. Rose once before when we were reviewing <laughs> yeah. whichever relevant season it was of Orange is the New Black. And fair to I mean, say, I'm pretty sure I've brought her up uh, since then, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're probably right. Not a fan. Uh, how do you feel about this casting Not news? Well, how do I feel about it? <laughs> I hope that in the interim between me seeing her in Orange is the New Black and the beginning of filming of this Batwoman show that she's had some acting lessons because mm-hmm. um, they're fucking necessary because what I saw in Orange is the New Black was atrocious. I get, you know, I think it's cool to cast a queer woman to play a queer woman. That's great. I think there are plenty of queer women who are talented actors and, you know, have action capabilities. I get that it's kind of like stunt casting. I just, I mean, it's a CW show. I guess the acting doesn't really matter, but I just like, I'm baffled by why people continue to hire Ruby Rose. I mean, I get it. It's because she's hot, but I, I find that boring. I find that very boring. Have you seen her in anything since that season of Orange is New Black? Because she's been in John Wick Chapter 2, I think. She was also in um, The Meg, which is out currently. Like, she, her, there was another, she might be another one, maybe um, one of the other, another Jason Statham film, I think, as well. I can't remember what it was. Triple X, or The Transporter 2 or 3 or something like that. I can't remember what it was. But she seems to be a rising star. She seems to be doing a lot, particularly in the action genre. Um, have you seen Yeah, I mean, that? I'm sure she can do a stoic face and a I'm going to kick your ass kind of thing. But if you want, you know, levels to your character, I'm not sure she's going to bring it. But, you know, I'm happy for her to prove me wrong. Make me look well, like yeah, a fool. Yeah, because I haven't seen any of those things. And I do wonder whether maybe she's had some coaching done since then. Maybe maybe, maybe there are levels. I hope I hope to be surprised. I'm certainly not someone who wanted to run her off social media because of this casting, which did happen, by the way. She's now oh, did it? disappeared. <laughs> of course yeah. it did. Yeah, because that's what happens nowadays. Um, Another piece of news, this one's a bit more recent, Veronica Mars revival starring Kristen Bell is in the works at Hulu. This story comes from James Hibbard at Entertainment Weekly. Um, You're a fan of Veronica Mars, are you not, Damask? I am a huge fan of Veronica Mars and I was very excited, you know, it's a few years ago now when they made the little like fan-funded film. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of Fs right there. Um. And so I was very excited when that came out and I was left pretty disappointed. It, it just felt fan servicey and not really, it didn't really have a whole lot of creative integrity, I guess, in my mind. Like it just, right. it wasn't satisfying. The story was, oh, I just like, I, I was like, what, it oh, felt like a waste. I feel like people's, the the fandom's opinions meant too much and they, it made the um, film worse than it should have been. Mm-hmm. Less satisfying than it should have been. So I'm excited about um, them having another crack at it, particularly in the current era of television. I'm very excited about that because I love Veronica Mars. It was a fantastic show. Season one, I think, is probably one of the best first seasons of any TV show. It's an incredible season. Um, unfortunately, you know, in third season, it's <laughs> it's not great. So I'm hoping they've um. Uh, you know, a bit of time's gone by and they've realised what actually makes Veronica Mars great. Sure. Um, ru- so, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I'll run down a few details here. A new season of mm-hmm. the fan favourite mystery series is close to a deal at the streaming service with original creator Rob Thomas, 
not from Matchbox 20, and series star Kristen <laughs> Bell on board. Several elements of the deal are not yet closed, but a revival has been quietly in the works for months between studio Warner Brothers and Hulu. We're told the arrangement will allow Bell to appear on the new series despite her commitments to NBC's The Good Place. Veronica Mars followed a teen, uh, California teen sleuth and student who moonlit as a private investigator under the tutelage of her detective father. The series premiered in 2004 and ran for two seasons on UPN and then ran for another season, the one that you didn't like, on the CW before being cancelled. Is there an angle that you could see them taking with the new series? Like, is there a, a something that's left behind that's still unanswered after the movie or the original run? Or is there a way you could see a aged-up Veronica working a few people have talked about it becoming more oh, like a procedural. Up, yeah, aged up Veronica is a non-issue, I think. I mean, yep. even as a teen, she was very snarky and more of an observer of the world. And I think that would probably continue whether she's an adult um, or not. So, yeah, I think that like her personality would work very fittingly, I think, as an adult. Um, so that is fine. There are like, you know, loose threads here and there, but I really... I don't think it's necessary to kind of be like, oh, we need to tie up this or tie up this or tie up this. I don't think they need to go for any obvious um, open-ended storylines. You know, if they want to start completely fresh and, you know, a completely new mystery or story to, you know, follow, I'd, I'd be down if they really wanted to just kind of totally reboot it in that way. Yeah, fair enough. Damask, have you got anything for us for Off Topic Hot Topic this week? Yes, so I have literally just finished watching the third episode of the show, Great News. Now, this is by Tracy Wigfield, who um, worked on 30 Rock. And this show is perfect if you miss 30 Rock. It has the same sensibility and humour. I really, really am enjoying it. I think it's, you know, it's not um, incredible television, but it's genuinely really funny. And I think it's one of those shows that as it goes along, I'm going to like it more and more. At least that's what I'm hoping. We're only three episodes in. But every episode is kind of built on itself. And I'm, I'm really excited to keep watching. Oh, I didn't realize you've only seen three episodes because I've watched three episodes as well, actually. Oh, have you? Like on my day back, uh, my brother was watching it and we sort of just, I'd heard good things about it. It's been recommended by a yeah, few people. Yeah, a friend recommended it. I was like, okay, I'll give it a, a whirl. And I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying it as well. I've not seen a heap of 30 Rock. I've watched mm. reasonable chunks here and there, but I haven't followed it all the way through. But it's fair to say it's very similar in mm. tone and structure. And even like there are little bits like uh, the in the music cues that I'm just like, this is stripped straight out of yeah, yeah. Um, 30 <laughs> it's Rock. very similar. But that works fine. I like, mm-hmm. I think the characters are all good. They're strong. They're funny. The... The premise, the setup between our lead and her mum is surprisingly actually more effective than I thought it would be. That seems like sort of dorky and weird, but I actually kind of yeah, like, I remember, like what that a brings. while ago watching the trailer and being like, oh God, that looks really bad. Yeah. I remember thinking that. I was like, what a, a silly premise. It's just going to be like dumb mum jokes and like they're trying to make it charming. It just won't be. And then I watched it and like, yeah, there are like dumb mum jokes, but firstly, they're actually quite funny. Yeah. And two, it's like, it's, there's like oh, it's actually a world full of really bizarre, wacky characters. So there's uh, quite a lot to grab onto there. So it's it's basically Thirty Rock in a news like a, a news studio, yeah, sort of scenario, yeah. And I mean that that's the premise. If you've seen Thirty Rock and you understand sort of that behind the scenes TV making, it's that, but for for a news station. Um, no, I'm I'm pretty into it as well. Do you know 
where it's at in reality. From what I understand, there's only one season and it's been cancelled. So, this is all we're going to get of great news, I think. Why are you breaking this news to me on the air? Are you serious? Oh, it's two seasons. Okay, there you go. You're in luck. Am I? Am I in luck? Oh, that sucks, man. Oh. It, it, I mean, it does. It does, does that make you want to just not watch it now that you know that it's only got two seasons or? No, I'm going to watch it and then I'm going to resent uh, the EW for forever, I guess. Is that Here's the thing. EW? Shows can be revived even after they're cancelled. I know, it's NBC. Sorry. Well, NBC shows in particular, if the that happened to Community got picked up by Yahoo after NBC ditched it, the if it found a following post life, I mean, mm. imagine if it went huge on Netflix. There's no reason Netflix might not turn around and want to make a third season or something like that. It's a possibility. Yeah. Cancellation doesn't necessarily mean permanent anymore. Um, but yeah, at this stage, it's like there's only going to be two seasons. What a shame. Yeah, it's like, you know, a, you know, quite a while ago now when we would find out here in Australia that shows were cancelled and there'd be all these campaigns to be like, oh, you got to watch it, got to like start a cult following. But obviously like our numbers have never mattered. No, really. it doesn't matter at um, all. No. And like, well, I, I still understand like it, you know, it doesn't really, it's just nice to know that, you know, even though I'm just clicking on Netflix in Australia, like that little number is is going up for them and like that viewership is actually going to be seen by someone, I guess. So I'll keep watching it. I mean, it obviously never got a foothold in the States. It's one of those, I, you know, I'd heard very briefly of great news, but I'd not seen a single thing of it. You know, when a, a show is is making its mark, you'll see GIFs and you'll see memes and mm. you'll, even, a, uh, even though I'm not a, watching the show at all or know very little about it, you'll know... You'll just see its footprint in pop culture, in society, and there was none. It just yeah. didn't exist as far as I could see in, in at least the corner of the internet that I was in. So, that's a shame. Um, I just quickly wanted to talk about, before we move on, I have um, been able to watch Sash Baron Cohen's new show, Who is America? Um, mm. So, if you know Sash Baron Cohen, you know him to um, be a satirist slash sort of prankster. Uh, he's been playing characters Ali G, Borat, Bruno, um, and basically playing these characters and doing interviews or being put into scenarios where he likes to sort of mock or make fun of celebrities or people in power and so forth. He's been doing this for a long time, sort of disappeared, did stuff in movies, made The Dictator and uh, was involved in a few other things. I think he was meant to be Freddie Mercury in The Queen biopic for a while and then left that. And sort of disappeared. No one thought he was going to be able to do this shtick anymore because, well, everyone knows who Sasha Baron Cohen is and was expecting it. And then out of fucking nowhere, Showtime dropped this show, Who is America? And it's Sasha Baron Cohen going back to what he's sort of made him famous in the first place and creating a bunch of characters and basically going through the United States and trying to lampoon uh, Republicans, conservatives, um, Democrats, leftists, like whatever you want to, like the whole sort of political landscape, um, Hollywood and um, filmmakers and and cooking shows and all sorts of things. It's very, very broad. It's definitely more successful when it's trying to lampoon conservative side of things. Mm. And at its best... I'll put it this way. The show has seven episodes. The first two episodes are by far the best, where he gets to something with some of his interviews without spoiling things, because there is a lot of value in not knowing what's going to happen, where he sort of is able to just 
show the moral bankruptcy of some people in political power, basically. Um, the problem with this show is that it also can feel like it's hitting soft targets, like it's making fun of people and taking advantage of people's ability to just be polite and sort of tolerate somebody, just nod their head yeah, and right. just put up with him for the sake of not trying to make a scene. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And if yeah. you can't stand cringy awkwardness, do not watch this show. I've asked if you I want. Watched it. I was going to say I I've asked Damas to watch it, and it was a non non starter. It's a hard no from me. I can't. I can't watch. I've never watched all of Borat. I think I watched maybe fifteen minutes of Borat. I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. I've never attempted to watch Bruno. Not interested. Um, the Ali G show was somewhat tolerable in my younger years. I'm not sure if I could go back and watch it. Though that's not as bad because people are aware of that it's like a, a skit. Right. Um, yeah, no, I can't watch that shit. Where, yeah, no, I can't. I, can't, I don't like, I can't deal with awkwardness. It gives me highs just thinking about it. No, thank you. It has, it, the, the show definitely has some value. It's, it's, it's tricky because you can also see where it's not working and they're trying to edit it to make it work. The, the, the worst bits of the show are always where his victims aren't taking the bait and he just makes... He just his characters just end up looking stupid, which is mm. funny in a way, but then it just becomes this awkward like performance where it, nothing of value was gained in it whatsoever, and it's just a bit of goofiness. Right. Um, sometimes people, I think, realize what's going on and start playing along, and they're quite funny because they're in on the performance at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the best bits of the show are always where he absolutely stitches someone up, and. Not just makes them look like a fool, but makes them reveal their shallowness or their bias or racism either or just how easily they can be bought out for the sake of celebrity or money or notoriety or whatever. Or just that that they aren't fully engaging with what they're actually talking about and are in it for the wrong reasons, basically. I think that's why I always liked things like The Daily Show and like Samantha Bees because, but they, I mean, they don't need crazy characters and they don't need to make um, the people on the other side unaware of who they are. But just in asking very kind of straightforward, simple questions, you can underline the bankruptcy or the absurdity of someone else's position, which I find quite amusing. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Let's move on then to our spoiler-free review of BoJack Horseman Season 3. Let me clue you in. Season in review. BoJack Horseman Season 3 puts us on the Hollywood Award circuit as the titular BJ Horseman tries to cement his legacy as a serious actor. The main cast and ridiculous celebrity cameos return once again alongside new regulars Abby Jacobson, Angela Bassett, Raul Esperanza, and Diedrich Bader as Princess Carolyn's beauty assistant, Judah. Just like the previous season, season three consists of 12 episodes, with each episode coming in at around 26 minutes and took us approximately five hours and 10 minutes to watch. Just a quick refresher before we get started on our thoughts on BoJack Horseman seasons one and two. Um, We both liked it well enough. We thought season two was a big step up on season one. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think we were saying we were happy with where the show was sort of heading. We're looking forward to season three, knowing that season two sort of started to really fi- hit its mark and find find its stride. Yeah, well, it was it was one of those things where, like, it was when people recommend it, they're like, oh, just wait till you get to this season and just wait till you get to this season. That was always, like, season three and four. So I was just kind of biding my time until we got there. 
Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, would you like to give your spoiler-free thoughts on BoJack Horseman Season 3? I really feel like I experienced something new with Season 3, BoJack Horseman. Uh, This show is something that I had never thought I would enjoy. I mean, I tried to get through Season 1 quite a few times. But this season in particular was beautiful. It was tragic. It was warm. It was full of melancholy. And it made me laugh, but it left me shaken. We saw some real depravity last season. And now that the shock of that moment has passed, we get to sit in this stale and suffocating air of shame. It's nauseating and toxic and disturbing, but the show keeps it touching and empathetic and heart-wrenching. The balance that this show has uncovered is something I think pretty pretty magical. Um, in the quiet moments of BoJack Horseman, I get the same feeling I have when watching some, some of my favourites like The US Office, Parks and Rec or Buffy. And that is in the pauses between the absurdity are huge truths being shown to us. We see that unending desire for love and understanding and a home, a place where just being is synonymous with belonging. The show doesn't shy away from the shocking pain that shakes your bones when you feel disconnected. It's awful and it makes us all vulnerable. And that disconnect is scary, but watching artists explore it lessens the loneliness. Shows like this are therapeutic and using humour to explore the darkness that most, if not all of us have, I think is important. Stories lead to empathy and this show not only makes us see others more clearly, but ourselves. Season three of BoJack Horseman is incredible. Nice. Wow. Big praise. So my hope for season three going into it into it was that the creators would take what they learned from the back end of season two and run with it. And that is exactly what happened. Season three is BoJack Horseman fully formed. It continued to do the Mm. things it did well, punny jokes, great writing, and build on that, confident of what it is and where it's going and making big plays with excellent, excellent payoffs. One of the things I liked about season two was that it was occasionally willing to play with its own format and season three takes that ball and runs with it. Nearly every episode this season is thoughtfully and uniquely constructed. Whilst there are straightforward narrative through through lines to follow, most episodes are also their own complete satisfying entries that are distinguishable from the episodes around it. The show has a lot to say as well. I won't go into specifics here, but every character in the show has an engaging and relatable struggle. Not all characters are given equal weight this season. Some who were more prominent previously are pushed into the background and vice versa, but this is done with intent to give space to the stories that that need that are needed in this season. Finally, there is one character in the show who I found to contribute less um, than what they asked of me. Uh, they tended to have a quirky one-off side stories and took away from the larger narrative rather than add to it. This season improved this character a lot and goes a long way to justifying their position in the show. For now, they're still my least favorite character, but many steps were taken in the right direction. I'm looking forward to seeing where they go from here. In short, can we watch season four now, please? Please, please, please. I've been putting it off for ages because I was ready to talk about this one before I went away. And uh, I haven't been able to watch season four as much as I wanted to. Anyway... Do you have a final score for this season of BoJack Horseman Damask? Yeah, I'm going to give it a solid, very solid, and I think high 4.5. I am also giving it a 4.5, totally edging on a 5, like yeah. close, real close. It's real close. Um, I actually yeah. get a chance to sort of rewatch it, 
And I think mm-hmm. I liked it exactly as much the second time as I did the first time I watched it, which is a great sign. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's not quite that five stars, just doesn't quite hit that magic the whole way through it, but it's real damn close. And to see it jump mm-hmm. up from a 4.5 after a 3 and a 3.5 for the first two seasons, it was just like, this is exactly what I wanted to happen. So, I'm really happy with that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the spoiler zone. Spoiler warning, on this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in Season 1, 2, and 3 of BoJack Horseman. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of BoJack Horseman up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Kids, I'm going to tell you an incredible story. Storytime with Damask. We are travelling through time and space this season. Princess Caroline is taking charge of her own life and her own agency, and she's hired Diane as a professional tweeter. Mr Peanut Butter's show has come to a close, but he's busying himself trying to get his marriage back on track and keeping stock of his growing strainer collection. Secretariat is blowing up, and Bojack, along with his publicist Anna, are on the campaign trail to get him an Oscar. It's not all easy sailing, though, mostly because esteemed character actress Margot Martindale stole Bojack's boat but also because at one point he blabs to a journalist that he was digitally replaced in the film and he's almost, you know, accused of murder. But Bojack keeps on trotting along, that is until he runs into Kelsey. His guilt overwhelms him and he first avoids her, but eventually tries to reach out. It doesn't go well though, since ink runs under the ocean. Who would have thought? Todd has reunited with an old friend and possible flame, Emily. Messages get missed and mixed one night. After Emily feels dejected, she sleeps with Bojack. Once again, Bojack is making selfish choices, and when Todd finds out, he tells Bojack a hard truth. That the problem isn't his drinking or the things he does, the poison is him. After Bojack finds out he isn't nominated for an Oscar, despite all of his hard work, he spirals. He reaches out to his TV daughter, the one person that probably knows him the best. They party together and bond over their shared history. On a blackout-riddled bender, Bojack attempts to make amends with people in his life. 
but it doesn't work because it isn't about them, it's about him. And so he's left in a hotel room with Sarah Lynn, who laments her life. She always wanted to be an architect. She doesn't know why she does the things she does. She doesn't recognise herself. And she worries that there is no hope. As a sign of compassion, Bojack takes her to the planetarium. She talks about buildings and he gives her comfort. And then she's gone. Bojack tries to wrestle with his part in Sarah Lynn's death, but it's all too hard and he turns his attentions to Ethan and helps him get his show off the ground. But while shooting the pilot and sitting on the couch with a young actress, he remembers Sarah Lynn and what happened to her. He has to leave. He runs off set and drives into the desert. He's had enough. He closes his eyes, tempting fate to take him away. But he stops himself. And as he looks out at the expanse, he sees a rag of cults bounding across the landscape. He sees freedom. He sees hope. The end. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. All right, I wanted to go through this. I think one of the sometimes we go through this with characters. I kind of want to just talk talk through some of the episodes, particularly the different episode formats. This is something that really impressed me this season. Was the just the willingness to play with its own format here and there. So we're going to go through a few of them. Just I might we just might sound off on them. We don't have to go in deep. But if there's anything you want to jump in mm-hmm. on specifically here. Um, feel free to jump in and we can go a little bit deeper. So, the first one that comes to mind is just the second episode, which is the 2007 flashback episode, um, where we get a lot of sort of we go back to when Princess Carolyn and Bojack were first sort of hooking up. And then we spent a lot of time with them in 2007. And then Bojack um, gets into creating the Bojack Horseman show. Um, What do you think of that episode? What did I think of that? Entire episode. episode. Well, yeah, a little bit. I, I, I personally found it, A, going back to the 2007 joke, just the, the time period joke things they do is hilarious to me whenever they're singing songs relevant to the era yeah, or as, making as constant someone references. someone who felt like they were really in their prime at 2007, I really responded <laughs> to it. I was like, yes, no, that was my time. That was my time, which was fantastic. Um, I feel like with all those like 80s revivals now, I was like, oh, that's what it must feel like. It's like, this show was brought back a 2007 revival, which I quite like. Um, and I just, the more I learn about Princess Caroline and her, was it Caroline or Carolyn? I always say Caroline, Princess Caroline. That's what I say as well, but I feel like there's some characters that say Carolyn. Anyway, that's PC. beside the point. The more I get to know about her, the more I feel for her. And I think they've done a really great job of balancing this idea of, you know, Attaching herself to Bojack has really fucked up her own life, but her choice, her clear choice to attach herself to Bojack is the real issue, not Bojack himself, which I quite like. The she, It's funny because she was a character in season one that I was like, I understand her role in the story, but didn't come away with any great affection for or really thinking that much about even. Second season helped mm. a lot. There, This season, so much more. They did so much great stuff with her, really understanding the struggle for her of starting her own business and working through that as well and then trying to balance her work life with her relationship life. I love when Judah sets her up for her um, speed dating thing when she's got one night off and then meeting, is it Ralph Stilton or the name? I can't remember any other. Oh, yeah, the, Stilton was definitely the surname, yeah. I kept thinking of Stuart Little for some reason. Like, you just, <laughs> I don't know. It's like an adult version. I can't version imagine of why Ralph, you'd think of Stuart, Stuart Little. <laughs> 
It's that speciest to just think he reminds me of Stuart Little. Yeah, they all look the same, Brod. We get it. That's right. All mice look the same. But I, lo- mm-hmm. I loved all of that. And then the, you know, choosing to leave the agency and then that sort of ominous decision at the end of the season to become a manager instead of an agent. <laughs> and it's like, oh, where's this all leading to? It all sounds yeah, quite- Yeah, isn't that the, which, which the I- same job? Yeah. But then, well, another one of the episodes I really loved- Speaking of her connection to Bojack, is the sort of bottle episode, as much as animated shows can be bottle episodes, of Bojack and Princess Carolyn at the restaurant, um, mm. which I'm going to say this now before I get to it later. There were four episodes that were competing for my favorite episode of the season, and this was one of them. Like rewatching it as well, yeah. it's just a really well constructed episode. There's a lot to dig into there about Bojack and especially about Princess Carolyn. Um, and their relationship, and then the fucking zinger at the end of that. Oh, they got the flashback because there's another flashback 2007 at the start. I think it's at this one where she's saying, Don't break my heart, Bojack. So I think she says wistfully or whatever it is. And oh, maybe that oh, was yeah, even early like, in the season. Don't be so loud with your wistfulness. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And then the part at the end where she's begging him not to drop her as his agent, and just that heartbreaking no. To, so and sad. then cut to cut to credits. I loved loved that episode. Mm. Who? Because I don't think we see any of the other characters. There's no Todd. There's no Diane. There's no um, Mister Peanut Butter in, at all in that episode. Yeah, no, not th- not that I remember. I yeah, I think that episode was really interesting because at that moment in the season, I also was frustrated with Princess Caroline and how she had kind of you know genuinely f- fucked up um you know the <clears throat> oh the movie career deals. was yeah, going in a certain right. trajectory and yeah. then she fucks it up um and then he's left with really no prospects in the immediate future which is a big thing when you, you know he's he's at that per- certain point in his career it's like you need that momentum to keep going so i was annoyed as well and then yeah princess caroline just brought it back to being like well, how many times have like have you fucked up and I and I stood by you and I was there and like that's you know I just need you know six months or something like you should feel loyal to me in some way and I was like fuck man she's right like she yeah. has you know he's cried on her lawn probably hundreds of times asking for forgiveness um, which she has given because she believes them to be friends and real genuine friends who have loyalty for one another. And he mm. just can't give her that, which is really, really sad. The you mentioned that she fucked up in the previous episode. That's another episode. There's never. It's not a huge change in format, but it does put some attention on this sort of the rivalry, the rival um, mm. agents in. I can't remember the guy, the bunny guy played by Ben Schwartz. Is it Samantha Gecko? Rabidowitz. Right. Thank you. And then starts with them, and like. Puts up this idea of them actually being the good guys and his sort of yeah. complicated relationship with his wife and she's about to have mm. kids and then they get the deal done and it's like, oh, it's so nice when the things work out for the good guys, go to credits. Yeah. I was like, that yeah. was a cute way to bookend that episode as well and just yeah. shift the focus on those characters and re- make us reassess about our heroes and the characters we're following and yeah. the other players uh, in this world. Just a, like a, really cool. a, a sprinkling of different perspective, which is like, oh, yeah. thank you for shocking me out of like where I was comfortable. I like that. Exactly. Then we had the episode, we're going way back 
two, I think episode three, we kind of had that detective thriller type episode where they're trying to figure mm. out uh, who murdered the stripper in the pool. Eh. And then on to episode <laughs> four. <laughs> that was very much my a- reaction as well. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Even on the rewatch, because I watched this twice now as well. I was like, yeah, no, I, I've made the correct decision about my least favorite episode. Spoiler yes, alert. <laughs> me, me also, spoiler alert. Um, episode four is essentially a silent movie apart from the cold open and a couple of lines at the very, very end. It is mm. a almost entirely dialogue-free episode. So, Bojack yeah. goes to the South Pacific Underwater Film Festival, whatever it is. Uh, the um, Pacific Ocean Film Festival. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you're paying attention to the details. And... <laughs> Seems unable to communicate with anybody because he's underwater. He mm. can't understand the fish people talking underwater and he has no way of communicating with them directly. And it's uh, it's a really great idea for an episode. A, because it allows the animators to really go crazy. Not go crazy. Like there have been scenes that are probably more robust or um, out there with its visuals, but it relies on the animators, animators to do a lot of communicating through the visuals. And do it very successfully. I also love this sort of like, especially the first five to ten minutes of like showing the rules of being underwater. Like him not being able to um, like eat the Doritos or whatever he is yet to the packet. Mm. The the part where he tries to light his cigarette is fantastic. Like the, the moment of just taking the cigarette out and then realizing he can't put it through his little underwater helmet. And then... Before he even bothers, he just sort of looks at his cigarette lighter and it's just the exasperation on his face at that moment yeah. is so funny to me. Mm. Um, and there's a whole long line of jokes like that. Then the very lost in translation sort of spoof they're doing as well. It's very, if you've seen that movie, very um, much what um, what that those characters are doing in, in Japan, in Tokyo, has a very similar feel. Um and then as the episode goes on, it's it tells an interesting story about communication and connection and, and so forth. Did you like that episode? I loved that episode. I was watching, because mm-hmm. I were like doing my research for season one and two. There was an episode that people kept mentioning, just in like comments here and there and stuff. And then um, I saw like the episode title on Netflix that came up and I was like, I think this is the episode that people talk about. So I started watching it. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then I was just mesmerized by Mm -hmm. the entire episode. I was fully in it. It was, it's just unusual to sit on your couch for 20 to 30 minutes, not listening to anyone speak and just happily watching a silent story and being so engaged by it, so interested by it. And with like, and his battle of like wanting both not wanting and wanting to connect with Kelsey and yeah. how difficult that is for him. Like we see him trying to like write her notes and they're just like little like fan things like, you know, keep truck and like, that's not an example, but like just kind of stuff like that. Like, you know, <laughs> love you always Bojack, like just shit. Cause he's so bad at that stuff. Um, and then the tragedy of like, he finally, reaches her and gives her the note she gives him a look and drives off and it's obviously smudged because he's underwater 
And then that beautiful, hilarious punch in the gut at the end when he realises that he could have been speaking the whole time. It's an amazing <laughs> episode. It really is amazing. And I was so happy to rewatch it. I was like, you know, the first time I was so in it, I was so mesmerised by what was happening. I was like, I wonder if that will happen the second time. And it did. It's a fantastic episode. I, I like it a lot as well. I think for me... The middle section for me loses me a little bit. Not because it's not visually interesting or anything like that. The start and that struggle with trying to communicate with Kelsey and then the end and that struggle to communicate with Kelsey is the strongest parts to me. Once he gets mm. sort of moved onto that bus and then goes out outside the city limits and then the little adventure he has with the baby seahorse mm. is, is, isn't bad, but I'm not... Because it's not directly related back to the struggle that starts and ends the episode, it doesn't mm. completely pull me and engage me. It's fun, plenty fun, and a little heartwarming and has something to say again about connecting and communicating. Mm. But um, doesn't, yeah, it just doesn't doesn't break through and hit me in as well as, I don't know, I, I kind of wonder, because yeah, I, I, I was enjoying it so much when it was still in the city at the start, I was kind of wonder what a whole episode in that location would have been like. I, I wonder. But maybe there wasn't enough there. I don't know. Sorry, you were going to say something? Um, yeah, no, I was, like, I, I agree with kind of, I understand what you're saying. I think it's, that was, that middle section is, I really enjoy it because it allows our, the audience or myself at least to see Bojack from a perspective or in a way that in any other situation would be impossible because the way he speaks to people is how he just like they're his barbs and it's like he's always just constantly like fuck off fuck off fuck off and so not having that um allows a yeah a quietness and a softness which I really appreciate and I also love that it speaks to, you know, the larger theme of, you know, being a father figure, what effect you can have on others around you that are vulnerable and that need your support and that kind of thing. That that certainly, yeah, that's a well-planted seed for where the season is going to go, especially mm. where it ends up at the end of this season, which we'll get to shortly. Um, we won't, we're not yeah. talking about it. I refuse to talk about it. It's too upsetting. You refuse to talk about it. Mm. Well, there's that's kind of the bit I want to talk about the most. So that's going to be real <laughs> awkward if you're not going to come with me on that bit. Um, let's move on from that. Uh, other episodes that had interesting structures: the non-linear story re- retelling of the story to the newspaper rep, which was not mm-hmm. all that like crazy an episode. It just was approached and structured in a way to just make it a little bit refreshing, a little bit different to the episodes before or after. And I. I appreciate just that effort that's put into mixing things up. Um, the last one, and the one we need to talk about before we get to the final episode, is this drug trip, fla- uh, sort of blacking out, road trip bottle-ish episode between Bojack and Sarah Lynn. Um, so, you don't want to talk about Damask? <laughs> what happens in this episode? To me, this is yeah. this is the... The, uh, I'm going to come out and say, it's my favourite episode. It has the most to say. It's the most tragic. It's still thoroughly entertaining throughout. It's amazing how Sarah Lynn has been sort of this character that just pops in and out throughout the show. She's not a 
you know, a, uh, a main cast member, but she's sort of semi-regular. We we get um, sort of peeking and see what she's doing at different times. Mm. And her connection to Bojack is so unique. Like, because we do, we, I suppose we do see her more often than I think of because we see her when she's still a kid, when she's on horsing around. Um, and understanding the effect that Bojack has had on her growing up to become the woman, woman that she is in the spotlight and what fame has done to her. And then understanding how they kind of uniquely understand each other and are reflections of each other and are both doomed if they continue down their current paths. Unfortunately, she sort of is doomed before he is is so interesting and heartbreaking and absolutely engrossing and I can't believe an animated show is able to get this have this sort of moment and have it be so successful. It's making animal jokes half the fucking time and yet when a character dies from a drug overdose essentially I guess or just falling apart exhausted it absolutely mm. nails it and breaks my heart. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's certainly a tragic tale. I remember when I was re-watching that episode recently and I was thinking, because I was like, is this the episode where they go to the funeral and all like the horse and around families there? And I was like, no, that was the funeral from last season. I was like, fuck, this comedy yeah. has a lot of death. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's really awful and sad and I agree that the connection between Bojack and Sarah Lynn is something really kind of special and hilarious like they're you know quite funny sidekicks to one another which I really enjoy and I was actually spoiled for the fact that she would die a long Uh. time ago but I thankfully had completely forgotten and then obviously the ending of that episode happened where he's just kind of repeating her name. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's right. <laughs> she dies. Um, it's, it's a really hard episode and I don't think I've got like a hot or cool take on it. I think it's just really moving storytelling. And, I, and yeah, like you said, reflections of one another, the tragedy of... Bojack is that he is, you know, he is, he's not innately poisonous, but he's allowed himself to function in that way in his own life. And for the consequences just to keep escalating um, to the point where he's, you know, pushing people off the wagon, you know, they're pretty willing to go, but still pushing people off the wagon because he feels bad about himself um, taking advantage of people that look up to him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking and infuriating and disturbing and it's really good storytelling. The it, it's, it's interesting the way you put that. It's like he's not innately toxic, but he keeps sort of happening. It's the... Mm. Yeah, Sarah Lynn, obviously, then Charlotte's daughter. And then the one of the most heartbreaking parts for me is actually in the final episode where Bojack has agreed to go on Ethan around, is it? And mm. there's 
a moment. I love that moment where he is sort of workshopping that joke with Ethan. And you sort of see what Bojack could be. Like the potential of Bojack to not just be a decent performer, but maybe be a really good director. Like, um, maybe I hope as a glimpse of if he, there is a redemptive arc here, and there might not be, who knows, but a glimpse into what he might offer, what might be his the best path for him going forward. And then to get to the point where they're actually filming this pilot for this, this revival show, and he's having that conversation, and rather than say the awful thing he said to Sarah Lynn about her parents when he was talking with her when she was a kid. He tries to be supportive of her, but then is like a deer in the headlights when she says that she wants to be famous and just sees the potential to fuck up another little, another daughter figure essentially in his life Mm. and just run away from that is awful. And then if we go to the very end of the episode, <laughs> we're left with this, the potential for there to be a real daughter figure in his life, an actual biological daughter um, that's trying to reach out to him, which is another opportunity for tragedy, but maybe an opportunity for redemption as well. What did you think of that ending? Yeah, well, that's that's the thing is that can Jack ever take someone in that you know that position I guess that daughter figure position and instead of only reaching out when he needs connection when he needs something instead of just like that's not his one (laughs) way of seeking that it's actually just about like oh maybe I can be a support to someone maybe I have a different function Mm. like that director role that we see him in he's like oh, it's not me, you know, feeling bad and therefore seeking connection. It's me seeing the good in what it means to support other people and how that can, you know, be uplifting. Yeah, I mean, I I hope, fuck, if there's more fucked up daughter relationships, I just like, I I feel like Sarah Lynn has got to be the, the fucking steep, the sharp learning curve of, wow, I, I can't. I feel like Sh- Charlotte's daughter was really fucking bad, pushed mm-hmm. him to this moment with Sarah Lynn, and it just got fucking worse because he did not deal with it properly. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, where else to go from here except either to get better or to kill himself? I really feel like they're the only options for someone like Bojack Horseman. Well, how did you feel about the other part of the ending of this episode with Bojack driving um, he's kind of take his hands off the wheel. And so, mm. sort of seeing inevitability, seeing that or believing that he only has potential to cause more harm and mm. then just sort of being like, why am I bothering anymore? I don't like my life. I ha- my, my friends, uh, I've pushed all my friends away. People are literally dying just by being associated with me. Why not just end it all? Takes his hands off the wheel and then has a moment where he sees all these other horses running and sort of stops. And this is this is the I final don't image think of the that's episode. How, it plays out, though. how do you that mean? Scene. Well he's it's, driving. Well, how did and you see it playing his, out? He's driving hands and he off takes the wheel, his yeah. hands off the wheel and he closes his eyes and then he he stops himself and then he gets out of the car and sees them. I thought he I'm pretty sure he he sort of looks over, sees them, 
And then that's when he stops and gets out of the car and watches them further. I'm pretty sure that's right. You don't didn't see it that right, way. He stopped right. and, and then saw them. What, it, yeah, with your interpretation, how did you read it? How did you read what was happening in that moment? I think it's, you know, class, classic Bojack is miserable and he wants to die and he wants it to end. Um, <clears throat> and But he's never... He's never able to go through with change with anything. And while, you know, suicide is fucking awful and terrible, um, that's one more thing where he was just like, I can't, I can't do it. I like, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Um, So while he may not be there yet for suicide, I certainly hope that he's ready for change. And I think that's why getting out of the car after coming so close to killing himself and then seeing those Young stallions uh, running in jean shorts um, kind of gave him hope. Okay, interesting. Uh, okay, I mean, I think I interpreted it pretty differently because I, from memory, he he's sort of like his eyes are closed, hands off the wheel. He turns his head and looks, and then you see his eyes just dart open as he sees this thing, and that's when he stops and like pulls the car over and gets out and has a look. And so, to me, it wasn't that he. I mean, there's an argument to be made that certainly he doesn't go through with things. But I, I, I really believe it was the what he saw that stopped him. It was like an um it was like a sign or an image to him. But I I hope it was an image of the you know, persistence that that you need to that you need to keep going, seeing all those I mean, you think about his hero was always Secretariat, right? Um, mm. who was the runner who committed suicide. Um, he was, he was his hero, he, incredible athlete who unfortunately committed suicide and he was about to make the same choice that his hero made. And so, to see all those stallions running and continuing to run was sort of a reminder to him that, no, I can do better than Secretariat did, I need to keep running too, was the way I sort of read it. He's still in a very low place, but it was enough to maybe get him to reconsider taking his own life. Don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's certainly, I think, a hopeful ending. I think we can agree sure. on that. If not, like, coming from it, a place it, of deep pain, there's certainly the I was fact that say, he didn't yeah. kill himself. It's it's hope in a ve- it's still a very, 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 very dark place. Mm. Um, one last thing from the final episode before we move on to some other stuff. What did you think of that really long setup involving the spaghetti strainers and Mr. Peanut Butter <laughs> and um, Abracadabra and that whole sequence of events. Cabra to Cadabra, sorry, I mean, thank you. Did I love it? Sure. Yes, I did. Did I love, <laughs> you know, Margot Martindale regretting as she's about to drown, you know, wasting so much olive oil in pasta because it's, you know, an old wives' tale? Yes, I did. I did enjoy <laughs> that. I enjoyed all of it. <laughs> I don't know. I think like this season made me go far out. I love Mr. Peanut Butter. Every time he was on screen, I was just like smiling and laughing. I really enjoy him. And while he's, you know, there's a lot of heavy stuff going on. There's a lot of like really fucked up emotional stuff. And he, you know, has a a part in that to some degree as well. Um, he, He certainly doesn't have that thing that Todd has, which is just kind of seeming irrelevant. Well, Mr. Peanut yeah. Butter's there. I think he, how important he is to Diane and their marriage is really great. How much he loves her, I think, really 
enamors me towards him because she is such a huge cynic. So every time he's on screen and looking at her or talking to someone and just being like this light and just complimenting people and just showing up. And I just think it's really delightful and I really appreciate it. I I do love Diana and Mr. Peanut Butter. I think they are mm. great. They are very... It's weird, it's weird to say. They are one of the realest couples on television, I feel like. I love that they obviously have their problems. They have their struggles. That works both ways. Their Mr. Peanut Butter obviously has his weaknesses, but so does Diane. I love the episode where she goes um, over to that, that guy's house and it's... Um, what's his name? I can never remember. Thank you very much, which is um, Alison Bree's real-life husband. Um, goes over there and does the drug trip. And then when she's having that moment of like love and like being able to express it, she's like, I gotta go to my husband and like rushes home mm. to express her feelings that she's been able to express to Mr. Peanut Butter. Love all of that. Um, I love seeing how they met each other for the first time as well in the flashback. Um, <laughs> there was on uh, just a Mr. Peanut Butter moment before we get to some more Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane bit. I love him and Todd trying to figure out the nominees for all the Os- for the Oscar categories. Fuck, that made me laugh. And if you just pause that image of them in that room with the whiteboard, that whiteboard is mm. full of incredible jokes. Like, I won't repeat them. Just go and watch it because it's so <laughs> funny. Jennifer Lawrence yeah. gets nominated for like seven different times, but only over three categories. She's nominated for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress like six times. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny. Yes. Um, I, I did like the Bradley Cooper joke, which was, you know, the Academy is obsessed with him, but they don't really know why, which I quite enjoy. <laughs> I, I love get Bradley Cooper for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the probably the pinnacle of the Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane stuff, though, comes when we get to the episode around... And it's a lot... Actually, it's got a lot more to do with Diane that does Mr. Peanut Butter, but I do love the dynamic here, is the episode around abortion. How many cartoons have dealt with abortion before? In any serious manner, do you think, Damask? Oh, at least five that I know of that I can think of at the top oh, of Oh, really? Head. Okay. I've, I've not seen very many at all. And I was just like, this is really no, cool I'm that this is being... Okay, good. I'm not being yeah. serious. <laughs> oh, good. I was like, oh, maybe you've seen stuff I haven't. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> oh, I'm the all about those abortion cartoons. I, I, I love them. <laughs> um, pretty cool episode. You know... Uh, the yeah, one of my favorite moments uh, was when Diana and Mr. Peanut Butter are trying to decide what they're going to do. So they've found out at the end of the previous episode, and I love that. Mother, go to credits, fuck her when we return. <laughs> but they're in the car and they're like trying to decide what they're going to do with the baby. It's like, okay, let's just both say what we want to do at the, you know, on three. It's like, wait a second, on three or after three? Well, after three, because I'm going to be saying three. So, <laughs> and then they go and do it. And she says abortion. He says, we'll have an abortion. Oh, no, we said two different things. <laughs> it Off was very moment. cute. Yeah. And then the whole episode goes on just to talk about, like, the, the stuff up with Sextine Aquafina and then... So her saying on social media through Diane being her social media manager that she was having an abortion and then her owning that and then turning that into a teachable moment. But then the the brat brat pew pew song and <laughs> all of that is fantastic. And then just for me, ending on that beautiful scene between Diane and Princess Caroline sitting on the couch, having watched Princess, uh, having watched Sextina Aquafina's 
a live abortion on television, which was more educational than they <laughs> expected it to be. And just, I don't know, there was a real sweetness to that, a real realness to that, which I wasn't necessarily expecting, and a great moment of connection between those two characters who wouldn't normally have it. What did you think of this episode? Yeah, I certainly thought it was interesting for all the reasons that you just outlined. I think, you know, I enjoyed that abortion was just kind of this thing and then I love Sextina making these incredible songs about it, which I really (laughs) appreciated. And I also loved that moment because I was, you know, agreeing with Diane about how, God, that's really inappropriate. And then her being at the clinic and that girl saying, well, you know, she's not serious. Like she doesn't actually want to like take a gun and shoot her fetus. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, obviously. Um, and just how being able to laugh at it is really, really important. And mm. I agree. And I think this episode um, adds to that kind of conversation. I mean, it's something that almost all of the women in my life have experienced at least once. Um, but it's this weird secret that they just all keep from men or from, you know, other women that they're afraid might judge them for it. But like, why? Like, it's very common. And I think they even make like a little joke about that. I think the news presenter is saying something like, oh, one in four women have an abortion. He's just like, well, that can't be right. Cause that, that sounds yeah. way too high, but it's, you know, it's true and it's nothing to be ashamed of, you know, things happen and most, well, not most, but a lot of women, have have done it and so I just thought it, it was a refreshing episode it certainly wasn't one of my favorites but I, I thought mm-hmm. it was cool and I I appreciated the conversation well both conversations between Diane and Princess Caroline the first being Princess Caroline just you know kind of outwardly stating her resentments about the situation mm. and she would love to have a child and how seeing someone young in a a, you know, from the outside looking in a happy marriage or at least a marriage, um, having this thing that she so desperately wants and not being able to have it and her feeling as though Diane is throwing it away, um, you know, would be really hard. And I think that fuels a lot of resentment between, you know, women who can't have children and women who choose to have abortions um, that fuels a lot of, you know, the misogynist narratives around abortion. So I think just having an, an honest conversation between those two sides and Princess Caroline coming to the point of being like, well, you don't actually, you don't owe me anything. It's got nothing to do with me. You you can do whatever you want. And her issues are her own and she made her own choices and Princess Caroline has to deal with that and she can't project that on someone else. Very cool stuff. Uh, is there anything else involving Mr. Peanut Butter or Diane you want to talk about before we go? There was a Mr. Peanut Butter storyline about his brother dealing with um, some pretty serious illnesses back on the their home in the was it the Isle of Labrador or the which, wherever they're from the place where nothing ever bad bad, bad ever happens <laughs> with old Captain Peanut Butter. Um, Captain Peanut Butter. <laughs> it's you know I was. Fascinated to find out that Mr. Peanut Butter was the runt, the litter. That was quite shocking to mm-hmm. me because he's a, a well-built man or man-dog, dog-man. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was cute and added another layer and also brought some humour to when Mr. Peanut Butter has to tell Bojack that he's not actually an Oscar nominee and he's like, all the good 
news is that my brother's fine. He's like, I don't care about your yeah. brother. Well, firstly, manners, which I quite enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just like a nice little bit of extra flavor, but it certainly wasn't like a, a main thing that I'll look back on the season and remember. Well, I think this was, for me, Diana, Mr. Peanut Butter were sort of the, maybe even the the most C plot of this sh- season. They've had a lot of attention, I think, in previous seasons, and they still mm. had great moments. There were whole episodes that were really built around them, um, mm. but they didn't play as big a role in the go- ongoing storyline. I think there was even a, 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 was some, a good episode or a good moment between Bojack and Diane where... You know, he sort of admits that she knows him better than just about anybody and he really wants her around in his life. Um, but And she hasn't been around <laughs> in his life recently and she hasn't had a place in the story and that's fine though. That's what I was mentioning in sort of my, my review earlier. It's like some people get moved to the background and that's okay because maybe their story isn't as influential right now, but they'll come back later seasons. I'm sure they're not going to forget about these people. They'll include them when they need to. Uh, I think having Diane pop in from time to time is a nice r- reminder of the relationship they had when she was like crashing at his house and stuff. And so I'm looking forward to thanks to that conversation that they did have where Bojack was like, you know, it, you know, I, you uh, weren't around and that kind of hurt me and you're the person that knows me the most and that you, you have to be a part of my life. So going forward, I think that's certainly something that we will see and I'm excited for that kind of relationship to grow because I think it's a really important relationship for Bojack. Agreed. Uh, the last character I really want to talk about is Todd. Todd has been my least favourite character of the main cast mm-hmm. through the first two seasons in particular. Um, he reminded me, yeah, he has all these little adventures in most episodes that don't have an, he didn't seem to have an ongoing storyline apart from maybe his weird friendship that's barely a friendship with Bojack and I just, he was just a distraction for me. He didn't add anything Mm -hmm. to the ongoing plot. So it was nice to finally give him something to work with this season. We get to find out about his relationship with this girl Emily and then she becomes part of his life again in this season and there's this ongoing sort of they obviously get along very well she's attracted to Todd Todd doesn't seem to be as into her they get along as they as they do she ends up sleeping with Bojack that ultimately leads some tension there but when it comes down to it she just wants to know if he's interested in her and the, the answer he comes up with is he's not sure he's interested in anyone he he's not gay but he's not sure he's straight either and I was like oh my god they found an angle for Todd they found something for Todd to do and be about and while it didn't really get anywhere with it yet I like the potential for I don't want to put a label on it but maybe this asexual storyline involving Todd what do you think I am consistently confused by the character of Todd Um, I think he has these weird shifts of being, you know, so mentally incapable um, that it's played for comedy and then also having moments of great insight and emotional understanding. I'm There's not – I, I still am finding it hard to hold on to the character of Todd and to care about the character of Todd. Uh, I 
when I do enjoy him, it's usually when it's him and Mr. Peanut Butter and them being enthusiastic mm-hmm. and that's that's all, you know, quite a bit of fun. But I'm not particularly interested in what he's doing and I don't find him particularly funny. As for the development of um, his perhaps asexuality, um, that's that's not a character. <laughs> that's I mean, that's certainly like something to do with the plot, but I'm just like very disinterested in the character. Um, sh- can that be a tool to explore character? Sure, but I'm I'm, st- I'm they got to convince me still. I think of whether or not Todd is worth my time. 100%. I agree with you 100%. Mm. It's not anything yet. But there's there's so, like, at least that's something that we might get to explore and with that learn mm-hmm. like find a character for Todd. Um yep. which Yeah, they might gives be able to hope. find the foundation there, which I think has been lacking of Todd. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there were times in this episode because they still he's still like he has that one in I think it's episode 1 where he just gets lost in the hotel and I was like, "Why are we still doing this? This is a nothing." This is nothing. This is not entertaining or interesting or anything. I just wish Todd wasn't here, basically. He's just filling up space. Mm-hmm. And then I I kind of liked with Cabrigadabra that it, it lasted over several episodes. Like, it was, again, it wasn't a character, but at least it was part of the ongoing plot. It was affecting things that were happening around other people. Whether it was him, Mr. Peanut Butter, Emily, Bojack, there was some amount of through line and it had an influence on, on the world. It wasn't just this one-off little adventure that is never going to affect anybody, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's he's still he's still easily my least favorite character because, as you said, he's barely a character. What did you think of Bojack's relationship with Anna, his publicist, and how that went throughout the season? Um, hmm, it's a good question. I didn't have a huge opinion of it. It didn't seem to be. The thing was, I never really thought it was all that meaningful, right? Mm-hmm. The It didn't tell me a lot about Bojack. It didn't tell me a lot about her. She had some interesting moments in terms... Probably where she was our most interesting when she was talking about um, or giving him these moments or these stories that helped him reflect, like the idea of mm-hmm. the when I was um, in a car accident and I got lost in the darkness and then I saw, I could see the bubbles going up, so I swam to the surface. So she had that moment of like, just remember when things are really bad, remember to breathe. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting little storyline and moment. And then she had the follow-on from that, which became a lifesaver, and that she was given the advice to not try and save some people because they're just going to drag you down with them. And, like, those little moments are interesting because you can apply them to Bojack or other people in Bojack's life and what's going on around him. But she and, like, their relationship where she was... First, he she was his publicist. Then it turns out she was working for other Oscar nominees as well. Then she decided she was going to be dedicated to him because he took control from her. None of that, none of that really reflect. I, I didn't think that told me anything about BoJack, and I didn't expect these two to go on to be a long lasting relationship. So I honestly don't have much of an opinion on it. It was part of. It was more a part of this storyline about him trying to maybe find some relevancy or or happiness from this legacy. That That is more interesting out of all of it, is just does winning an Oscar and being one of the special people, is that going to change Bojack in any meaningful way? And the realisation he came to, obviously, was that I would be happy for a night, I'd have a great party, and then I would be just as miserable the, the day after sort of thing. And 
that was always more interesting than any of that relationship stuff with him and Anna. I don't know. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I certainly think that his relationship with Anna was one, it gave us with the things that she was telling him. Not, I'm not talking about those two specific advice things. So I think that is really great stuff. Um, but just kind of gave like his like internal monologue a voice really, which is, you know, which is constantly about validation and striving for something that might finally make him happy. Is that the right to pursue? thing to pursue will that ever eventuate into something you know tangible probably not or like I think all of the discussions around that helped really cement the journey that Bojack was on this season Mm -hmm. um so just having her as kind of like a sounding board throughout the journey of like striving for this Oscar what that means I think was really important for the season yeah no that that character needed to be there definitely um, and what she represents is more meaningful than who she is as a oh, character. Oh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. that. Totally agree, yeah. Okay, let's move on to our final thoughts. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Some side notes. I've only got a couple. Um, the most unrealistic thing about this entire show is that Diane... A known serial fan, the podcast serial fan, was taken in for questioning by the police, but did not immediately call her lawyers. <laughs> That's a good that point. is You've made does a good not point. make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Makes no sense to me. Her character whatsoever is completely flawed because of that. No, I'm joking. Um, Though I did, Kelsey, like, I did really appreciate her being like, "I know my rights." And um, oh fuck, what's the cop's name again that I really Pro- enjoy? Like, Fuzzy, Fuzzy no, no, uh, was it Detective Fuzzy Face? Yeah. Something like that. Anyway, and he's just like, well, what are your rights? And I'm just like, that's true. I would say the same thing. I'm like, I know my rights. And then when actually asked what they are, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I think I get a call. I'm not sure. <laughs> that's exactly it. I just do what, I can't remember what it was, but in whatever TV show we were reviewing recently, my line would just be lawyer, 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 mm. lawyer, until you're a lawyer. Um, Kelsey, when she was in the Underwater Film Festival, was there to promote her movie about Billie Jean King, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Billie Jean King is not my lover. Mm-hmm. What's weird about that is that this show, this season was released in 2016. Last year in 2017, there was an actual movie about Billie Jean King that came out called Battle of the Sexes. I was like, did they know about that a year in advance? Or is it just a weird coincidence that there was a movie about that exact subject matter that came out a year later? I think this show is a little bit prophetic at times. I mean, I think it makes sense for the character of Kelsey to make um, a a small indie film about Billie Jean King. Totally. No, it made (laughs) sense. That makes sense to me as well. I just thought it was really weird. I was like, I just think the coincidence of that was surprising to me. Anyway. Mm. Maybe there Um, is like, maybe someone knows Emma Stone or Steve, Steve Carell is probably more likely. Possibly, yeah, possibly. After the death of Sarah Lynn, she goes missing from the intro. So, in the intro scene, in the party bit that's always there, Sarah Lynn's always in the background. She wasn't Mm -hmm. in the background anymore. Um, And one of the things- Oh, good, that's one more element to cry over. Thanks, Brod. Yeah, no worries. Something that I've enjoyed consistently throughout the show, actually, has been the evolving- opening title sequences mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that it will often reflect new 
major characters who are coming into it. Every season has that's middle section always changes to sort of reflect what the sort of the big elements of the new season are about. And yeah, people move in and out of it depending on what's going on. I love that. Um, I also love, do you get a chance to listen to the end title song at all? Um, yeah, I think the only one that really sticks out is with the Bojack Horseman show one, but so there's a Bojack Horseman show one attention. There's the the main one, and there was another one as well. Oh, the last episode obviously has its own song, but there's a couple of times where there are different songs in there to replace that as well. And that's right. I, I love that as well. Those little details are great. And lastly, character actress Anne Dowd gets mentioned during the I think it's during the Oscars or one of those sorts of things. That's yeah, like another right. character <laughs> actress moment. I was just like, that's hilarious. That I hope she comes uh, in season four. Is Margot Martindale dead now in the canon? I don't. Did she survive? I can't remember actually. Is she dead? Because la- I think the last we see of her is she's like drowning in spaghetti as it dries or whatever, or as it cooks. She'll so she'll pop back up. I hope she's so, so versatile. Really she'll her. she'll find a way. She is versatile. <laughs> All right. Least favorite and favorite episode. What was mm. your least favorite episode of the season, Damask? My least favorite is episode three, Bojack Kills. Um, it's like the detective kind of one where Bojack finds, um, or Bojack and Diane find the dead killer whale in that dude's, uh, what, what's that guy's name? Who did, who we did the Bojack Horseman show? What? Go home, Goober. No, 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 no. no, Sorry. Oh, the other guy. Sorry. The Uh, guy who did, um, Krill and Grace. Show. Krill and Grace, really yeah. Enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, he's only in it for a couple so episodes. But the, the guy who made the Bojack Horseman show with Bojack, yeah. Yeah, the adorable face that I just want to kiss. Um, yeah, so they found that dead stripper in his pool. I just didn't really care very much about that episode. It was like, I get what you're doing, but it's not really hitting me anywhere emotionally. Um, it's While it's nice to see Diane and Bojack hang out, like I don't think they're in their... their greatest element because I think it's always good with them when there's like big emotional stakes and like because their relationship means so much um yeah just kind of fell flat like in in a season that is full of amazing episodes like I think this one for me just kind of yeah I don't care about it what about you 100% the same it's just it's not a bad episode it's probably a season one season two episode amongst uh amazing season three episodes and so it just didn't add much to the ongoing storyline and mm-hmm. that i mean i laughed a plenty of times there were bits to enjoy about it sure but uh, it's the one if you, you could remove it wholesale and i don't would really, don't think it would affect much of the plot at all except that they wouldn't find bojack in the bojack the drug in his glove compartment in episode 11 that's about it favorite episode mm. damask um well mine was a tie but i know which one you're gonna choose so i'll choose the other one uh-huh which is uh, episode four, Fish Out of Water, as like, I mean, we've spoken about it before and why I love it for all the reasons that I do. I just think, yeah, it was at that point in the show where I was like, I'm I'm ready for this to be something really special. And then I saw that and I was like, wow. Like I was just kind of shocked by how engaged I was. Um, It was something different. It made me feel a whole bunch of stuff. Um, seeing Bojack be loving and open, 
Um, and But also then we have the relationship with Kelsey and seeing him struggle through that as well because he is who he is in a lot of ways. It was just a, it was a fucking cool episode of TV to watch, you know? Like, and it's just sometimes that happens in a show and you're like, God damn it, I'm so glad that that exists. Like, that was just a cool time for me to have, like, 25 minutes and I really appreciate the people who made it. It was, it was fucking cool. I loved it, yeah. Awesome. Well, I, as I said earlier, I was tossing up between four different episodes. One of them was episode <laughs> four, Fish Out of Water. 100% agree. Mm-hmm. Episode two, The Bojack Horseman Show, which is the 2007 flashback. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that episode for some reason. I just thought it was really solid. Like, took it, like, because we'd established a lot of those characters, particularly Princess Carolyn and, and Bojack, to go back and see a bit more of that in the early days. Mm-hmm. And but especially because I think about where the first season starts and makes that make so much more sense now where they are when they're sort of breaking up at the start of the first season. It's great to go back and see where they started. Um, mm-hmm. And episode nine, the best thing that ever happened, which was their episode in the restaurant as well. I love that one. But Another ultimately one. I'm going with episode 11. That's too much, man. That's um, too much, has a great man. structure. <laughs> has a great structure. It's centered on Bojack and, his probably most complicated and destructive relationship and ends with a punch straight to the heart. So good. Fuck. So, so good. good. So good. Ha- yeah. Is the peak of Bojack Horseman for me so far. Uh, there was a yeah, question was, I was going to ask I'll be honest actually. with you. I think that episode is, uh, yeah, I think it is probably like my favourite of all the episodes, but I do love Fish Out of Water. Um, and I, yeah, I think we've spoken about it enough, but that's a fucking great episode. Yeah, I can't agree with you more on that one, I think. The... The thing I wanted to say as well, I am just occurred to me then. I'm, I'm, I've got to give hats off to Will Arnett. Not that he's necessarily the best performer in this show, but I've never, I'm not like I've always loved like Job in Arrest Development stuff like that. I like mm. what he does with his Batman in like the Lego movies. But I got to like he's doing some great work with his work as BoJack. Um, more than just his excellent voice can deliver, it's his performance, and he's like really got to give it to him. He's he's great in the show. He's killing it. Awesome. Uh, predictions, hopes, and concerns. My hope is that with great struggle, Bojack embraces being a father figure with this character we haven't met yet, this girl that's trying to contact him, and is able to move past this Sarah Lynn trauma. That's my hope. But otherwise, all I want to say to the show is just stay the course. Dive further into Todd's... Um, storyline hopefully they can find a character for him da- then there uh dive more into diana mr peanut butter into princess caroline her work-life balance just keep going keep going because you are on the right track just go what do you think mm. um i can't really give any predictions about um how the season ended because i actually accidentally did start watching the first episode of season four <clears throat> Um, just by because no. I just you know it continued and I was enjoying the show so much I didn't even know so I was like this feels like the beginning of something else um, so I quickly yeah. stopped it so I can't give any predictions but like you my hopes are certainly that it continues to keep mining the incredible material that it's been able to find I think they've got themselves some really great characters um, with a lot there to work with I think you know spending more time with other characters that have been on the periphery that I, I think there is stuff there and I have trust in the writers that they can like make some really cool stuff happen with those characters. 
Todd, Diane, Miss Peanut Butter, those ones in particular. I, you know, I, I hope with um, Princess Caroline, maybe for the first time in her entire life, being in a healthy relationship, I think that could mm. be a really interesting dynamic for her and for Bojack mm-hmm. and her career. Yeah, no, I'm just, I just hope it, it keeps going in the way that it's going. 100% agree. Awesome. Okay, thank you very much, listeners, for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. at Shawnee Boy Draws, who is blowing up right now, I might add. Have you been following his Twitter feed recently, Damask? Oh, you mean the Twitter feed that um, Aaron from Game Grumps just uh, tweeted back at? No, not at all. Unaware of the situation. Tell me more. Yeah, it is. It's awesome. If you don't know where Game Grumps is a great sort of like video game comedy channel uh, on YouTube that we're both familiar with. Sean dedicated a comic essentially to Game Grumps. Uh, They saw it and gave him a little bit of a signal boost and he is getting a lot of very deserved attention and well done, Sean. Mm -hmm. Loving that. Um, Hope Yeah, just don't forget us when you're famous, buddy. Um, our theme, theme song comes from Jordan Calavis and our bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. You can find le- links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, where hopefully by the time this episode goes up, I'll put up my month of August one second a day video, which I've got lots of content for because I took a million videos while I was on holiday. So look out for that. Mm. Damask. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maskymo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. I don't know what I've been doing. I'm probably taking selfies and pictures of my cat, um, tweeting about, I don't know, Real Housewives probably. <laughs> I'm just putting the good quality content out there as per usual. There's always great photos of Millie on there. If nothing else, follow your Instagram for Millie pics, I think is. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's that's all you need. Next episode, we'll be back to discuss BoJack Horseman Season 4. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.